Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. We hope that it will encourage you as you seek to follow God and grow in your faith. If you would like to know more about our church, you can check us out at www.ritmangrace.org or feel free to email us at ritmangbc at aol.com. But for right now, let's get into today's message. Well, greetings to one and all. It's good to see you uh, live in person. We've been uh, seeing the backs of your heads sometimes from the from our living room, and uh, wel- welcome to everybody who's in their living rooms right now watching this. Uh, it's just good to be together, or uh, at least connecting in some way uh, as the body of Christ, and it's really a privilege for us to do that. And uh, thank you for uh partnering with us in what is happening in Africa, what is happening in Cameroon. Thank you for uh, seeing the importance of that, seeing uh, that uh, people uh, all around the world need to hear about Christ, of course, first of all, and to hear, hear well <laughs> about, what, uh, uh, about the things of Christ and the things of his word. And that's why we're there in Cameroon, just trying to uh, uh, bring good leadership, good teaching to uh, to the churches there. There's about 40 churches and 40 church plants, as far as we can uh, figure, in Cameroon. And when we got there, there were four four pastors. And so uh, since that time, we've graduated one one class of students. Uh, so we sent out uh, another about 20 20 uh, pastors and, and their wives out into the field. And we've got another group of about, about 20. Uh, so uh, that's what you're involved in. And thank you for, for supporting us. Thank you for all the prayers. Thank you for our, the financial support. Uh, we've never gone hungry. And uh, that's due to, to your faithfulness. Thank you for that. Uh, we plan on staying there another couple of years. So probably in 2022, you're going to see more of us as we had come back to the States. That's the plan. We'll see what God has for us. All right, today uh, I, I don't, I'll talk about Africa slightly, but uh, mostly it's going to be about what's going on in our world, what's going on in our nation, and uh, just things that have been uh, on my heart. Uh, I, th- I, I feel like God wants us Christians to respond well to the situations that we see around us. And uh, so this passage for me uh, helps to do that. Right now, in Cameroon, there are protests going on. Uh, there are problems in the English-speaking regions, because most of Cameroon is French-speaking. And there's some, some regions that are English-speaking, and there are protests going on there. And the people there are, are saying, you know, English-speaking lives matter, basically, is what they're saying. And uh, it's true. They've been marginalized. They haven't been well-represented. They have legitimate beefs uh, that they're protesting. Uh, protests are part of the human experience and certainly part of the American experience. Uh, we have always had them. The revolutionaries protested against the injustices that they endured at the, at the hands of the, of the British monarchy and, and the authorities there. Uh, the abolitionists protested against the injustices endured by the slaves and took up the cause of people who were powerless to raise their own voices in protest. Women and men protested against the idea that the injustice, that women were not able to have a say in those who led, uh, would lead them in the country, and, and, uh, and they protested that they didn't have voting rights and privileges, and uh, even though that they were citizens and had, uh, were impacted by decisions made. Uh, some of you who are my age and, and uh, even younger and older uh, remember the 60s. Uh, you remember the protests that were going on then. You remember the march on, marches on Washington, uh, the riots in Watts and in Chicago during the Democratic Convention in 1968, and all the things that, that were going on during those times. Uh, they were protesting against segregation, against uh, the, our involvement in Vietnam. Protests have been with us. So these protests we are experiencing aren't new, are they? And uh, I, you know, I, I see it all happening again. And I think, do, do we really have to go through this again? You know, why are we going through this again? 
And, and so it, le it leads me to say, I want to do something to stop this cycle, to stop this, this thing. There's always going to be things to protest, but why do we have to protest the same things? Why do we have to deal with the same issues over and over and over? And so I've been looking at God's word and trying to figure that out. The, the protests that we are experiencing in America are nothing new, and the protests in the world are nothing new. In fact, going even further back in world history, there was a group of people who protested against the injustice and corruption of the Roman Catholic Church. And that group of protesters are with us today. <laughs> we are that group. And I'm proud to be that, in that group. So there's, a, there's sometimes real reason to protest. And uh, I just want to talk about what our reaction should be, not only to the protest, but to the whole issue, all the issues that, that revolve around it. Um, I don't want to ignore uh, what's going on in our country. I, I want to call this a conversation, but uh, pastors are good at saying that. This is, let's have a conversation today, and then he does all the talking, and that's what's going to happen this morning, too. I'm going to do all the talking, but I hope it pr promotes conversations within your homes, uh, between people, between you and my, me, and you know, between Christians as we, as we go through our daily, daily lives. I didn't want to ignore the elephant in the sanctuary, which is, is uh, the thing that uh, is troubling our world. And we have answers to the troubles of our world. We have the, the true answers. Um, God hasn't left us on, us on our own. His word says a lot about justice, says a lot about peace, talks about taking up the cause of others. It says what our attitudes should, should be that guide our actions as we deal with other people, and the righteousness that should result as we, uh, as we act in a Christ-like way. Um, the passage that Clark read for us today uh, is helpful to me, and there are a multitude of other passages that uh, we could go to as well. So if you want to stay here until all day and past midnight probably, we could do that. I pulled an all-nighter, but I guess we'll just stay with this one, one passage. And in it, I found eight wise ways that we can become peacemakers. Uh, this, this talks about a lot of different things, just the short, the short couple of verses that we're going to look at. But uh, it seems like it's peace that we're, we're looking for. We want peace. And we want to be peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. That's who you and I are, or should be. We should be the peacemakers in this whole situation. Um, James uses an agricultural metaphor to talk about peace and righteousness and justice, and, and that's fitting for, for us. We're in Wayne County and surrounded by lots of agriculture, lots of farming, and on every side we can see that. And we know that the goal of an agricultural farm is a, a bountiful harvest. And so that's what we're talking about here. He's saying there's a, there's a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of justice that can come as we make peace. James uh, tells us that uh, righteousness should be our goal. Uh, and righteousness means, uh, it has the idea of, of making things the way they should be. Uh, they are right things. They are correct. And importantly for our time, they are just. Same word, the same, the same word for righteousness and justice in, in the Bible. Uh, and so that's what we're looking at here. Our goal is to get it right. Our goal is to get it just. To do that, we need wisdom. So this passage, in this passage, we see a progression from heaven to the Christian into, into the world. And, uh, and the world will enjoy a harvest of righteousness and justice. So the, the passage talks about wisdom. We need it. We need wisdom. And so a lot of people, and probably including us at many times, says, where can I get some wisdom on this? Ah, I'll Google it. <laughs> That's what I'll do. I will Google something to find out the wise course of action. Uh, or maybe I should go on Facebook and see what all my friends are saying and see what their posts are and what their threads are, are, are laying out for me there. Or maybe there's a meme for my life that I can put up on my wall and just say, that's it, that's, that's my wisdom for life. Uh, 
Or you could really go deep and watch the news channels and uh, CNN or Fox or some other news feed, and they will provide you the direction. Or maybe I should turn on that radio, and perhaps Rush will tell me what I should do. <laughs> what is God's will for my life, Rush? <laughs> Where do we go for wisdom? Look at the last two verses that, that Clark read for us there in, in uh, James, <clears throat> excuse me, James 3, where it talks about the idea of, of wisdom that comes from heaven. Wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest of righteousness. Yeah. Where can I go for wisdom? Where's the wisdom I need? Maybe I should Bible that. <laughs> Maybe I should check out the Bible. Yeah, Bible that. That's what I should do. You and I are called to, to peace, it says here, because peace will produce justice, and that's what we're seeking. Peace is planted in a pure heart. It says it's first of all pure. I need to ask myself some questions. The first one here is, what's in my heart? That's, what, that's where we talk about purity. That's where we talk about what's, what's going on inside, what's, what's important to us on the, on, in the inner person. What's in my heart? Uh, it is pure. We need to search our souls. David said in Psalm 139, you know, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Now, David was always in danger of doing wicked things from a wicked heart because we know the story of David, and he, he often messed up. Uh, we know this, he, that he did this a number of times. And I know that I do it, and I know you do it more than you want to as well. We mess up. I'm a follower of Christ, but that doesn't mean I can let down my guard, that my heart is, I, I can't assume that I'm always right, that my heart is always correct, that my attitudes, my actions, my thinking are always in line with God. I need to keep searching my heart. What's driving me? What is it that, that uh, causes me to say what I say, do what I do? What's in my heart? I, it needs to be pure. Uh, often, my heart is not pure, and a change needs to happen. How many of you have ever ignored your GPS? There's an honest man. Okay. Um, they did a study in Britain that said, and it said that 83% of men regularly ignore the directions that their GPS has given them. And even 75% of women do it. Uh, so, it is something, we, we bought this device, this gadget, we put it in our car so that it will direct us, and we, we ignore it. <laughs> um, there may be good reason. Sometimes, you know, they're not infallible. This past summer, Jackie and I were looking for an Aldi's over by Albany, New York, and uh, we followed the GPS, and as it was leading us, I'm thinking, hmm, this doesn't seem... Right, and sure enough, you've arrived at your destination. Here's this beautiful, idyllic, pastoral scene, you know, flowers growing, and, but not a, not a building in sight, nothing. <laughs> We're out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, now, Jackie said that might have been a user error. I'm not sure about that. But, but even so, it, that's where it was leading us, and they're not always infallible, whether it's because of user error or because of mechanical error or something. I don't know. But, uh, but uh, we do have a GPS in, in our lives that, are, that is infallible, uh, we that we should trust completely. That's God's purity standard, also call it that, uh, that we need to follow, that we need to make sure that we are seeking holiness be holy as I am holy, saith the Lord. Um, but unfortunately, I think 100% of men and 100% of women ignore regularly <laughs> that GPS. 
so I think we should always be humble enough, and talks about that earlier in the passage, about the humility that needs to be driving us. Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, it, and that seeking first of things begins in the heart. I have to constantly check my motives, my ideas, my attitudes, my biases. Am I acting out of selfishness, greed, pride? What is it that is driving me? Bitterness, ingratitude? Uh, there's lots of things, bad things that can drive me, and there are a lot of good things that can drive me, but especially love. Is love the thing that is motivating me? Is love the thing that is driving me and growing in my heart? At the Bible Institute where we teach, we teach courses, we teach uh, different uh, aspects of, of um, pastoral life. Uh, we teach the Bible. Uh, obviously, it's a Bible Institute. You know, but, but our goal is not to produce people who simply know the facts of the Bible, know the stories of the Bible, uh, can craft a good sermon, can, uh, you know, lead well in a, in a group of people. We, tr we touch on all those things, but the thing that we really hit on all the time is character. But the thing that we really emphasize is that none of this makes any uh, difference if you don't have a good character if you don't have the love of Christ motivating you, driving you, filling you as you do things. And so we really push that at the Bible Institute. And it's always a good reminder to me who's pushing it <laughs> that I need to be the same way. Uh, it isn't about uh, just knowing, but it's about being. Uh, Hebrews 12, 14 says, strive with, for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. There's a connection between peace and purity. Peace is planted in a pure heart. Then, peace is cultivated by Christ-like attitudes. The next question that I ask myself is, what was I thinking? <laughs> uh, it has to do with uh, internal dialogue and, and beliefs and, and all that kind of thing. And so. There's three more wise ways of becoming peacemakers that we see here. Uh, wisdom that, the wisdom that comes from heaven is peace-loving, it says. It's peace-loving. Do you like to stir it up? Do you like to get into things with people? Or are you peace-loving? Do you like to see a good <laughs> fight going on? Or are you peace-loving? Do you, do you want to get your own way? Or do you want to make peace? Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. That's Proverbs 12.20. Those who plan peace have joy. I need to love peace and make a plan for it in my life. This is a highly charged time in our country. There are lots of conflicting facts out there, uh, view, stories, viewpoints. Uh, we have difficulty trusting the words of, of those who differ from us, and, and uh, yet the wisdom from above is peace-loving. You know, the rioters were accused of stockpiling bricks in, in preparation for, for the riots, and that was, that was shown not to be true, that all, all the stockpiles were accounted for by, the, by contractors and all of that. They did hurl the bricks. They did use the bricks. I'm not saying they didn't do that, but it wasn't like they planned that. Uh, but they did. They ended up doing it. Uh, bricks are not the only things that can be hurled. Words can be hurled, too, at each other. And sometimes we stockpile, we do plan to hurl words at one another and not seek peace, but to seek to win, to seek to dominate, to seek to uh, overcome other people rather than to find peace with them uh, and attack those we disagree with. Uh, but the kingdom of God, Romans 14 says, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So let us pursue what makes for peace 
and for mutual upbuilding. Let's pursue it. Let's plan for it. Let's do things. What am I doing that will make, bring peace in my family, in my neighborhood, in my community, uh, in my state, in my country, in my world? What am I doing that will produce peace? A Christ-like attitude is peace-loving. We need to really remember that, that we are peacemakers, that we are the people who can bring some answers to this world and to this, these situations. Well, there's another wise way that is listed for us here. The wisdom that comes from, from heaven is considerate. Uh, how, you know, Many of us are on Facebook. I don't know if everybody is, but a lot of people are on Facebook. Um, and we have a list of friends. I don't know what your list looks like, but my Facebook friends include some men, some women, some blacks, <clears throat> mostly white, uh, some liberals, mostly conservatives, some unbelievers, uh, mostly believers, I think, uh, some from other countries, but mostly Americans. And as you can imagine, their posts show a wide variety of viewpoints and ideas and, and uh, interpretations of, of what's going on in, in our world. Uh, and to be considerate, it's a mental thing. It has to do with the idea of listening for understanding. I should listen to what's being posted and what's being said and what... Uh, the ideas are out there. I should listen in order to understand. And then I should think, before reacting, think about what my reaction is. Think about what kind of an impact I, it will have on people. Uh, I think there's kind of a free fall going on in, in our conversations in, in social media. And people are, I, I, I think, Saying things, we, you know, I probably have done it too. Saying things that we shouldn't say, posting things we shouldn't post. Um, you know, just uh, not stopping and thinking and considering. Not only is this right, a lot, of, a lot of ideas can be right, but be very harsh in the way that they're said, you know. Uh, so first of all, it should be right and true, but it should also be kind and considerate and uh, think about the impact it will have. Not that you back off from what is truth, but you do it in such a way, speak the truth in love. <clears throat> what is my loving response? Even when I strongly disagree with somebody, what is the loving response I should have? I, I should filter everything through the word of God. I know that, but, oh man, it's sometimes good to jump on this bandwagon or that bandwagon or, you know, post this quote or that quote or show this picture or that picture that, that puts somebody in a poor light. You know, it's so tempting. Putting others first is being considerate. Thinking about their feelings. Thinking about what led them to the point uh, that you see in their lives. Uh, and this has to go on for our whole society. Um, you know, we see what was shown us on the news, on the, on the social posts, from different angles. <clears throat> you know, we see and, uh, you know, we draw our conclusions probably from imperfect, I know from imperfect data. But we, we need to ask our questions things like, you know, why does a white cop murder a black man? Why does a black man murder a cop? <laughs> the actions are definitely wrong, but why are they doing it? What's behind it? What is the thing that we need to address so it doesn't happen again? I don't want it to happen again. You don't want it to happen again. The violence doesn't serve anybody. and certainly is, uh, grieves the heart of God. Um, so why, does it, why, does, why is it going on? What's happening? What can we do? You know, long before George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or Officer uh, uh, Skernovitz, I think is his name, in Cleveland, uh, long before these, these killings, uh, these things were happening. And some things 
have become more in our face because people have cameras everywhere and <clears throat> you know we're seeing a lot more of it. All my life though I have seen these things going on and I wanted to stop. <clears throat> I've seen prejudice and I've seen violence, the prejudice that leads to violence. And we can do something to stop it, but it has to start with us it has to, and our attitudes and what we foment, what we put out there, what we believe, you know, what we support. Uh, there, I think there is a lot of prejudice in our country. I think there's a lot that isn't prejudice, but I, I have been in church where people have made racial slurs have come up to me and said, you know, well, you know, that's the blacks that do that. And, you know, come up and, and you know, it's been, I wouldn't say this church, but I'd say in, in some churches I've been in, um, where I've heard those comments. And all my life, you know, I've wondered, what's, the, what's going on? Why is there that, where, why is this? And especially among Christians, why is it? Um, so there is, there is a, a sense in which things are stacked up against our, our black uh, uh, fellow citizens. Uh, and so we need to do things. <clears throat> I think the church has a, has a responsibility to do something about it. And I just want to encourage us to stand on the side of, of standing up for those who can't speak for themselves sometimes. Let me give you an illustration uh, of what you've heard about systemic racism. And, and, and people say, oh, is that really true? Is that Well, I think, I think we see it in, just in, in a lot of the statistics. But uh, here's an illustration. If my car gets in an accident, uh, it may be my fault. Maybe I disobeyed a law. Uh, maybe I was texting while driving. I was driving on bad tires, possibly, that I hadn't changed. Maybe I drank too much again, you know. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that maybe there's something that I did, and I deserve it. But an accident can sometimes happen because of the car. Some cars have been recalled because of accelerators that were sticking, because of uh, faulty airbags, because some slipped out of park. Uh, there have been tires that have fallen apart on the road, new tires. Uh, and in many cases, the problem was known by the people who manufactured the car. Many times, it was understood that, oh yeah, there's this, this problem, but we can deal with the, some of the, the fallout from that, some of the people who get hurt in lawsuits. We can afford that. <laughs> That's systemic problem. It can be mechanical or it can be moral. It's something we're kind of powerless about, but it's there because somebody has made that decision. Uh, and people have had to agree, agree to look the other way. And I, I think it's, I just want to call the church not to look the other way if there's a problem, if there's an injustice that's going on. So I wreck my car. People say he must have done something wrong. I protest. But my voice is lost unless somebody joins me. Other voices, people that have gone through the same thing, and then others who have come alongside and said, we'll, we'll help you to, to make this right. To be considerate is to think, to discover what is at the root of the problems that we face. God calls us to join those whose voices are not heard. In, in Yaoundé, uh, we walked out, Jackie and I go for a walk every, every night, and, uh, and are often <clears throat> on the street, and people will yell out to us, hey, white, hey, white, and, you know, it's kind of irritating, <laughs> I'll tell you that. I'm not sure that it's a, a slur, you know, maybe a little bit, uh, we don't know exactly where that's coming from, we don't understand the culture well enough, but we don't like it, we don't like that, and she was telling this she was saying to uh, one of our students, Antoine, uh, she said, you know, I just don't like being different. And, uh, you know, she was complaining that this is kind of hard to endure, this, this difference and being 
kind of standing out and, and being singled out by others. And, and, uh, and his answer was, well, do you want to change skins with me? <laughs> and, and what he was really saying is, I would, in, in, in a minute, I would trade places with you because you're wealthy. You are uh, educated. You have privilege. You have power. You have security. You have all these things I don't have. He's, a, he's as smart as we are. He's as moral as we are. But he can't get where we are. The system is stacked against him. He can improve. He can... You know, I'm not saying that he shouldn't, shouldn't try at all, but he can't get where he wants to go because it's stacked against him. And that's, that's true in Cameroon, and I'm afraid too often it's true in America for some people, that it has been stacked against them. You know, we've, we've kept people out of housing. We've put them in dangerous situations. We haven't given education on an equal play, way. We haven't dispensed justice in an equal way. America is great. And it's probably done better than just about any other country. <laughs> but there are people who still feel powerless, still feel, uh, still feel that they've been singled out. And uh, so, just saying that, that you know, we need to be, do what we can to, need, to not be part of the problem, but to be part of the, the solution. Another thing it says here, the wisdom that comes from heaven is submissive. Our Lord was submissive. Jesus submitted to the will of his Father. He submitted to uh, authorities. <clears throat> he was pretty humble in, in all the ways that he interacted with people. He didn't get defensive, didn't seek to cast blame. Uh, there were times that he confronted bad actions and attitudes, but never selfishly. He was always defending what was right and what was good. In personal terms, for us, as we follow his example, it may require letting go of our own way, not winning that argument, not browbeating somebody with, with something, not... Uh, whatever it is for you or me. Uh, it often means sacrifice for the good of one another. There is also submission to authority. As long as the government or other authorities uh, do not require me to go against what God says, I should submit to the authorities that are in place. I'm called to submit. And one thing great about America is our government derives its power from us, from, from the, we the people. The law that was enacted uh, gives us the right to speak freely, to assemble peaceably, and to seek correction of wrongs. Uh, so we have lots of rights, and we should defend those rights, and we should uh, seek those rights for others. Peace-loving, considerate, submissive. I hope these are the attitudes that, uh, that people see in you and me. Are they my attitudes? Sometimes, maybe not always. Uh, I want to give that, those impressions to others. People may not be able to see what's in our heart. They may not be able to see our attitudes and thoughts, but they can see what I do. Peace produces a harvest of righteousness. And I can ask the question, what am I doing? What am I doing? What, am I, what does God want me to do? Uh, this passage tells us what, I, what we should be doing. Uh, wisdom that comes from heaven is full of mercy. I should be showing mercy. Mercy means that we don't get what we deserve, which is we've certainly received a lot of, I've received boatloads of mercy from the Lord. He has not dealt with me as I deserve. Uh, I, can, I can disperse mercy to others. Uh, Mercy, you show mercy to the person who can't really return the favor to you. Mercy takes up, up the cause of those who are poor and powerless and helpless. Uh, mercy seeks the good of others and serving others. Uh, God's mercy is new every morning, and so should mine. I shouldn't be so quick 
to want them to get theirs. They're just desserts. <laughs> because uh, if I was to get my just desserts, it wouldn't be a pretty picture, <laughs> you know. So we need, to, we need to be merciful as our Father in Heaven is merciful. Um, the sixth thing here is the wisdom that comes from Heaven is that it is full of good fruits. Full of mercy, full of good fruits. I hope to see the results of purity and Christ-likeness in my life uh, in what happens out there. Uh, I want to see results. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. That would remove a lot of Facebook posts, probably. Uh, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Seek to do good. Can't we just be good? <laughs> That's what God calls us to, goodness, mercy. Uh, good works. God has ordained us to do good works. That's why... Uh, he saved us in order that we might do good works. If the people of God do not pursue peace and justice in America, who is going to do it? If the people of God don't do it, who's going to do it? People who are not empowered by the Holy Spirit, who don't have uh, all the, the wisdom and, and understanding that is found in God's book, uh, we leave it to others to do and it doesn't get done right. Um, we need to be ready to, with, uh, in the world's problems with God's answers. So turn away from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. That's what Psalms 34, 14 says. Do good, seek peace, pursue it. God has a lot to say in this Bible about uh, helping the poor, about taking up the cause of the defenseless, about forgiveness. Uh, too often the world uh, hears from Christians, but what they're hearing is not <laughs> the, <laughs> the words of mercy and love. It's words of condemnation. They don't hear hope. They, hear, they just feel despair. Uh, too much we're characterized as, as coming across as harsh, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, that we're going to get accused of, the, of those things wrongly anyway. But, but let's not be worthy of those accusations. Let's not do the things that really uh, cause those accusations to be true. Uh, let, let people say of us that we can't find anything against them. We don't know what to do except in the case of what they do in their worship of God. Uh, so I, I really believe God's people on earth have done more for the good of others than any others, uh, more than any government program, more than any uh, ideology, more than any political party. The church has been a force for good and progress and uh, help and health and happiness and joy and justice and all the things that, that go along with it. Uh, so I don't want to beat up on the church too much. I'm just saying let's keep at it. Let's build on that heritage that we've seen laid down for us by our forefathers uh, and uh, by those who today are sacrificing. The church is doing great things in the world today. Let's continue to focus on those things. Do good. Overcome evil. What is it? How do you overcome evil? With good, right? I'm sure behind your mask you said that. <laughs> uh, but that's how we overcome evil. Um, the wisdom that comes from heaven, number seven, is impartial. We like to say that justice is blind, but in the real world we know it's not, that's, justice is not always dispensed fairly. It's not just. It's not because people are, in, are not fallible. Uh, so it is important for us to hold them accountable. It is important for us to see and to look and see where injustice is being perpetrated. Uh, but this, this passage, of course, isn't about the American judicial system. It's about you and me being impartial in the way we act with people. Uh, not, James said earlier, don't fawn over those who are rich. <laughs> 
Don't treat them better than you treat somebody who's poor. This says be impartial. James is broadening it out for us. Impartial. Don't, don't uh, favor the educated over the uneducated. Uh, don't, uh, don't favor the white skin over the black skin. We need to make sure that we don't. We need to keep looking at it, what's motivating us, what's driving us. We, we pastors, you know, a rich person comes in the church and, uh, you know, all of a sudden we're thinking, ah, good, that's going to help. <laughs> You're right? I mean, all, all you rich people, bud. You know. <laughs> but it's human. It's, it's, it's what we do. And we have, to, we have to continue to fight against it and get the wisdom from above, not the wisdom that's in the world. Be impartial. Many voices I hear are not asking for special treatment. Many are, but many are not. They're just saying, give us equal treatment. Give us just treatment. Uh, and they say that because they're not getting it. And I'm talking from... Uh, interaction with, with people who uh, I trust and who I believe who have said they've experienced prejudice, they've experienced injustice. So it's out there, and uh, we need to recognize that. We can't turn a blind eye to it. Peter says in Acts 10, he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Um, Peter had to make that leap uh, or cross that line or whatever it is to go from prejudice and not caring about people to saying, wait a minute, God does care about everybody. He loves everybody. And I cannot be on God's side if I don't do that. Um, there's a lot of verses about that. Uh, here's a good verse from Psalm 94:20. Can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? You know, if there's if there's unfair statutes, we need to fight against it. We've, I know, probably I'm speaking to most people in this room would would be against abortion. I hope. <laughs> we need to change that statute. You know, we can't ally ourselves with those who support that. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's, we don't ally with those who uh, perpetrate evil. Um, Whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, it says in uh, Proverbs 22.8. Whoever sows injustice reaps calamity. So let's not be sowing injustice, let us be peace sowers, sowers of peace. There's one more wise way to peace. The wisdom that comes from heaven is sincere. Jesus is walking down the road one day. He sees a man whom he knows as Nathaniel, who becomes one of his disciples. And he says of Nathaniel, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And I think, wow, <laughs> I wouldn't mind if Jesus said that about me. Uh, but I'm afraid that he can't. I don't think he can. I don't see. I know my heart. It is deceitful and desperately wicked. And many of my brothers <clears throat> and my sisters in Christ have the same problem I do. We have hearts that trip us up, that deceive us, that lead us where we don't want to go. When I see some of the posts on Facebook, the word snarky comes to mind. <laughs> uh, we want to get our digs in. We want to trip the other person up. That is not sincerity. You've got mixed, a mixed agenda, hidden aggression. I don't, I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, and I admit that I sometimes get secret pleasure out of some of those things that are said and posted and. You know, I understand where you're coming from, where I'm coming from when we do that. Um, uh, unfortunately, 
It's not only snarky, sometimes it's outright untrue. The, the word liar sometimes also applies to us. I can't tell you how many posts by Christians have been proven to be false or misleading. Usually they're misleading. Uh, they quote somebody, so I go to the speech, and I listen to the speech that the quote comes from, and I realize this was just, you know, totally out of context, totally not part of, uh, not really what the person was intending to communicate in that speech. Uh, but a little sound snippet, you can make something of that. So anyway, let's not be the snarky ones. Let's not uh, put anything that's untrue. Uh, let's. And it's done both on the left and the right, so it's not like we have any, anybody has a, a claim to purity on either side of this. You know? We're all guilty of those things. Uh, let's not do things that dishonor Jesus. We're too eager to, to believe the spinmeisters if they spin it our way. Now let's just try to check our heart, check our lives, and see what's, what's true. I am a Christian, and I owe to my Lord and to all those around me to speak the truth in love. By the way, I'm a Christian because I came to this church. I'm a Christian because people of this church were faithful. And I am so grateful for that. So grateful for the witness, for the input, for the impact <laughs> that uh, God's faithful people have had. And I want it to continue. Uh, Turbulent times or not, let's keep telling people, pointing people to Jesus. I owe it to my Lord to honor Christ by speaking the truth in love. I may totally disagree with somebody uh, about something, but that doesn't give me the license to misrepresent them. It doesn't give me the license to smear them unfairly. That doesn't give me the license even to post an unflattering picture of them, uh, to curse them. Earlier it said, you know, out of the same mouth, you know, you shouldn't be cursing and blessing. Are we blessers or cursers? We can't be both. We shouldn't be both. Uh, when I do those things, what spirit am I following? When I misrepresent, when I smear, when I... Uh, twist the truth a little bit when I curse. I need to ask myself, what spirit am I following? Do I love America? I want to say yes, I do. But America is not Republican. It is not Democrat. It is both. <laughs> America is not white. It is not black. It is both plus red, brown, tattooed, pierced, whatever is going on with your skin. America is not rich. It is not poor. It is both and everything in the middle. America is not rural. <clears throat> it is not urban. It is both. To love America is to love it all. <laughs> to love all that America is. We may want things different, I want things different, you want things different, but we need to uh, be loyal to our, our Lord, but also to, uh, to what America is as we, as we uh, go through these waters. There's much that is right and good in America. I think a lot. As I've been around the world, different places, I still prefer America. Our Cameroonian friends see America as the land of promise, and it is the land of promise. It is the land people want to come to. It is the land where they want to realize uh, their dreams. On July 12, 2016, President George W. Bush spoke at a memorial service held in Dallas for police officers who had been shot. They'd been killed in the line of duty. And he said, this is what George W. Bush said, Americans, I think, have a great advantage. To renew our unity, we only need to remember our values. We have never been held together by blood or background, our ethnicity or where we come from, 
We are bound by the things of the Spirit, by shared commitments to common goals, common ideals, he said. And later in the speech, he says, at our best, we honor the image of God that we see in one another. We recognize that we are brothers and sisters sharing the same brief moment on earth and owing each other the loyalty of our shared humanity. As believers, we know that, this is my words now, as believers, we know that what is needed in our heart is transformation. We continue to become like Christ. And I hope that this, what I've said, helps, helps in that process. Uh, you might disagree with a lot. That's fine. But hear what God says. Listen to what he's saying. I hope that's what comes through. Um, our job is to, as transformed people, is to be a witness for Christ in a world that is broken. I would like people to say that where Christ is present in someone's life, that there is truth, that there is peace, and that there is justice. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray. Father, I know that a lot of the things I touch upon are controversial and have us thinking and stewing things over. Uh, guide our thoughts, help us to be led by the Spirit, uh, to be true to your word, uh, to do what you want done. I do pray for the church that we would be a force for good, that we would be a force for uh, what is right and true and just. I pray, Father, that you would fill us with love, give us the power to stand against what is evil, uh, root out any evil in our hearts, and I pray, Father, that uh, we would be characterized by uh, uh, Christ-likeness, that our character would, re would reflect him. I thank you for this church and for all it stands for, all it's trying to do. I pray your blessing, continued blessing on everyone. I pray for everybody's well-being physically. We're facing a, a foe that is difficult for us to know how to fight. Um, but I pray that you would also help us to stay the course focused, fixed on Jesus Christ. We do this, we ask this for his glory. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Ritman Grace Podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about our church, please visit www.ritmangrace.org or email us at ritmangbc at aol.com.